This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Colleen. Hey. <laughs> this is Colleen Dieter uh, with ATXGardens.com. And this is Leah Turner with yeah. Delta Dawn Gardens. Yes. We're present. We made it. We made it. I woke up 30 minutes ago. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our, the name of our show is Horticulture Hangover, and I'm living proof Ergo. of that today. Yes. <laughs> so we're a little rough around the edges this morning, but we're doing okay. We made it. Yeah. Uh, please call us with gardening questions. We're talking about plants today. Um, 512-836-0590 or 877-590-5525. So, Leah, what's been on your mind this week, gardening-wise? Well, I just wanted to tell you about a quick story about my possible lateness here. Okay. Um, Because, you know, I I overslept my alarm. My alarm went off, and then I just decided to... I don't know. I just I was like, okay, now I'm gonna just close my eyes for another minute, and then um, I started Oof. having a dream what? that I was here. Oh no! And I was having a dream <laughs> about the radio show. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah. So I was I dreamed that I came here, and there I, there were all these people in the studio, and I was like, Colleen, who are these people? And you're like, they're they're co-hosting with me this week, and I was like, when you tell me. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm the one who's just like snoozing <laughs> while you're on your way here. Wow. So, anyway, that was, I made it. Um, wow. The radio show is now officially part of your subconscious dream world. I mean, if I had actually overslept and not made it and just dreamed about the radio show, like, does that count? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think so. <laughs> um, yeah, so hey. what have I been what have I been thinking about this week? I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about um, fire preparedness, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, like just kind of assessing areas where there's like a huge pile of leaves or like the compost piles right yeah. by the house or, mm-hmm. you know, there's just lots of, there's lots of dangers lurking everywhere and it's just not something I've really ever thought about. Mm-hmm. Like just f- making the landscape more fire resistant yeah i know everybody's thinking about that right now and uh we have two calls already oh never mind yet very exciting it's never happened um we have liz and leander liz hi hi good morning good morning good morning uh, I'm calling about my crepe myrtles. You know, we're, I'm in Leander. We're, I think probably everybody is uh, on some type of water restriction. We're trying to do our part. so And we're not really good about watering anyway. So uh, uh, I've got some beautiful crepe myrtles uh, that are well-established crepe myrtles, 10-plus years, mm-hmm. and, and fa- fairly big, but they're getting really dry, and I'm yeah. worried about them. I, I, I never thought I would say I'm praying for a hurricane, but, boy, am mm-hmm. I praying for whatever's going on in the Gulf right now. Yeah. So I guess my question is, you know, Knowing that at least by mid-September, you know, another month, we we should have some uh, rain, but how deep will that go? You know, if we put mm-hmm. a hose out on, on top of the ground, mm-hmm. it's going to water the first couple inches. It won't hit the roots. So 
how worried do I need to be about these trees? Um, the roots are more shallow than you think, and watering really can help. Um, if you hit the the area that's along the drip line of the trees, so the drip line is where the ends of the branches are. Uh, okay. Rather than up by the trunk, you'll be doing more good because most of the feeder roots are out there near the drip line. Uh, no, I I did buy a. Uh, it's called a deep root waterer. So mm-hmm. it's it's something. It's it's. A, are you familiar with that? It's no. Like a, it, well, so I got it off of Amazon, mm-hmm. um, and it's a pole that. Um, Mm, it's probably three feet, and you can, and at the very bottom, and it, at the top, it has like a T-bar, mm-hmm. and that you hook your hose into that, mm-hmm. the water goes down to the bottom of that three-foot hole, and at the bottom, there's four holes. So, mm. the, the thought is that you can push that down into the ground, maybe a foot and a half, and uh, and then water at that level instead of at the surface level. Yeah, I so think... So, I've, I've been trying to do that a little bit. That's a good idea, and... Um yeah, I think you only need to go down a foot, really, if you even can out there okay. in Leander, where the the soil's so shallow in most places. Anyway, yeah, you um, work at it for sure. Yeah, yeah, but I I think even just six inches to a foot is going to be plenty. And uh, you know, the well, they're if they're well established crepe myrtles. Uh, you'll be able to help them through this really hard time. And uh, they're probably not going to die if we get rain in September. Um, okay. They'll just start losing their leaves. That's okay. You know, they're going to go dormant early. And right. uh, okay. yeah, okay. and then if we get rain in September, they'll be okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was kind of looking at it as, uh, uh, you know, self-pruning sort of thing. So, yeah. Uh, but thank you for that. Thank That's you. Because they're, they're such beautiful trees, I don't want to lose any of Yeah, I understand, Liz. All right, thank you so much. We've got another call. Thank um, you. Thank you. We've got another call from John in South Austin. Hi, John. You're on the air. Hey. Um, I'm close to retirement. Been mm-hmm. in the house for 33 years. And the bottom line is I'm really tired of taking the dead bodies out of my heart every winter and every summer. And I I want a strategy where, you know, I'm not in a cycle of buying plants just to, just to take the the dead ones out. And, and I realize that we are facing the worst of both worlds, the deep freeze and the deep drought. Mm -hmm. So, and plus I don't feel good about dumping drinking water on yes. on plants mm-hmm. you know uh, we don't have much grass but what what what's your strategy is it is it succulents is it what what do you what do you do i mean plus um all for all the effort you put in and then for all the the dying you know the plants dying i mean it, it seems like now we've been doing this for a lot of cycles mm-hmm. and uh, I guess I just want like a better strategy for managing plants, what plants, and how to manage them. I mean, mm-hmm. and without having to, you know, uh, my, our water bill was close to five hundred bucks this month. You know, holy moly! 
Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and that's and that's just to keep a small patch of grass and some other plants alive. That's mm-hmm. all that is. So, mm-hmm. what 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 is your strategy for to try to manage this kind of stuff? Well, I'm going to chime in here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm wondering what kind of plants are you using? Are you using native plants, or what what are they? Uh, what kind of plants are they? Well, we've had a lot of. Yeah, a lot of the drought resistant, the Mexican heathers and, and the things like that, and others, and um, and in the past they've done pretty well. But now with with this kind of, so I, I'm willing to shift. I'm willing to shift direction and and really go for drought drought and freeze tolerant, obviously. But you know, what what do you suggest? Well. A couple I mean, things. the majority of our yard is, is rock, okay? It's either flagstone or river rock. We've done a good job of minimizing uh, a lot of what we have to water. We mm-hmm. have a small herb garden, those kind of things, but uh, it's just, you know, it's just getting tougher and tougher to keep stuff alive now. Well, one thing I would say is that even if you have native plants, um, they are going to go through these life cycles where they put out the deciduous plants, the plants that Mm -hmm. lose their leaves, they're going to go through a life cycle, all the perennials, where they grow a bunch of a bunch of branches and a bunch of leaves and a bunch of foliage during their growing season, and then they're going to have a dormant period. And then they're going to come back up from the roots, and they're not dead. They're Mm -hmm. just dormant. They're just kind of sleeping. Sometimes it's during the winter. Sometimes it's during the summer. So there is always going to be some amount of just cleanup that has to happen in the garden. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's not necessarily that the plants are dead just because they, they, you know, they die back to the ground. That's just part of the normal growing cycle. And so I actually wanted to toss it over to Colleen because she has a really cool idea about how to deal with that uh, those, that cleanup mm-hmm. that has to happen, that, that uh, annual maintenance after the cold season and the hot season. Yeah. And uh, I want Colleen to tell you about it. Uh, one thing that I've started experimenting with at my house is planting native and well-adapted perennial plants and then mowing them when they go dormant. Um, Such as? uh, I have lantanas, the short lantanas. So the one that Mm -hmm. I have is called Dallas Red. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I have Henry Duelberg Sages. Uh, cat mint walkers low things like that and they will go dormant in the winter and then Mm -hmm. we are just mowing the tops to try to reduce the amount of maintenance needed um, and make the maintenance more straightforward Um, another thing that's really important is you know it sounds like it's okay everybody gets burned out sometimes on gardening and it's okay to take a break too. Yeah, yeah. You know what? If you just feel like it's not fun anymore, take a break. You know, it's supposed to be fun. It's America's yeah. most popular hobby. It's supposed to be fun. If it's not fun for you anymore, then, you know, take a break. And that's right, okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, what we're successful in are like the things like the philodendrons and the pots where we can, you know, hose hand water and 
And there, there are certain things that are doing well, but it's just mm-hmm. the overall look of the yard. Is and, yeah. and I realize everybody gets yeah. discouraged this kind of year because yeah. the seems to be dying. So. This is, you know, I it this this weather is unprecedented for us to have three bad winters in a row and two horrible summers in a row is has never happened in the time that I've lived in Texas since uh, in 20, over twenty years. And um, it's just, it's a real struggle right now. And the whole, the whole state is in the brown season. We're in the brown season right now. So, right, you know, right. it's okay to just say, I'm just going to stop. <laughs> I'm just going to take a break and, you know. Come back to it in back. November and reassess. Yeah. You know, okay. Like when things are cooler, do you want to yeah. replace some of these plants? That yeah. Are- yeah. No, I, 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 that's good advice. I agree. It just, maybe we just need to back off a little bit for a while and just yeah and assess where the yard is at and yeah john we uh we're gonna go to a break but i really appreciate your call all right well thank you for the advice good luck okay bye-bye this is horticulture hangover with colleen dieter and leah turner Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590 Good morning. This is Colleen Dieter with the Horticulture Hangover Show. Yep, and this is Leah Cherner, also with the Horticulture Hangover Show. Here we are. Yeah, and we're coming back from a break, and I just had a couple more <clears throat> things to say to John. Yeah. Just a couple bullet point tips for how to deal with this terrible, terrible combinations of weathers. And just mm-hmm. if, if John ever goes back into the nursery, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, and decides to try again. I have some ideas um, uh, upon reflection. So one of them is get your plants from local nurseries uh, yeah. and get their advice on what you should plant because the local nurseries are going to carry stuff that uh, was probably propagated near here. It definitely grows well here and it's going to be a lot of native plants that are really well adapted to our climate or they're they're actually from here you know Mm -hmm. um so you know the local nurseries are really really good resource much better than like a big box store Mm -hmm. where who knows where those plants are from and they may not really be that well adapted to our particular climate Mm -hmm. even if it says drought tolerant or whatever on the label yes you're going to get the expertise from the local nurseries Mm -hmm. um Another one is to plant those plants that you get at the nursery at appropriate seasonal yes, times. Yes, very so important. You want to plant woody perennials, trees and shrubs, mm-hmm. um, woody stuff in the fall and winter. Mm-hmm. You know, usually between October and January. Mm-hmm. And then you want to plant the herbaceous perennials. The um, how would you call those? They're they're non-woody plants. Yeah. Uh, you would plant those in the spring. Mm-hmm. So usually between March and June. Mm-hmm. And um, that really helps them get going because if you start planting trees in the summer and, uh, you know, lantanas in the winter, you know, yeah. it can be... Well, lantana's not a great example because they are kind of woody, but... Um, yeah. yeah, certain salvias and stuff like that. Yeah. They can they can go dormant right away, and it messes you up. And sometimes they have a hard time getting established yeah. based on the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just plant things at the appropriate times. And then once you get them in the ground, mm-hmm. you want to water 
deeply but infrequently yeah. rather than a shallow blast of irrigation every single day. Give them a good soak once a week, even in this kind of weather, honestly. Mm-hmm. And finally, get a barrier between the sun and the soil. Mm-hmm. And mulch is the best. Leaves are really great. Mm-hmm. You could even put up a, a, a shade cloth or a, a shade sail if you have a really hot spot in your backyard. Um, but yeah, just finding some way to shade the soil helps keep some of that water from evaporating. So, yeah. And just plant the right plant in the right place. Yeah. You know, don't put shade plants yeah. in the sun. Go native. Yeah. Those are great tips, Leah. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really valuable to take all that into account. And we have a caller. This is Denise from Elgin. Denise, thank you for waiting. You're on the air. Sure, and thanks for taking my call. I love your show. Oh, great. But I have a question because I do some container uh, gardening. I have a lot of Bermuda grass. And as mm. you know, you cannot keep that out of the bed. Mm-hmm. So I tend to use a, a lot of containers in shadier spots. And I have a Mexican oregano in a very mm. large container. I used to grow gara in there, but gara can't take the cold in a container. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking for another plant to put in there because the Mexican oregano gets a little bit leggy and it's sparse, you know, it's got very small leaves. So I was wanting a plant that's a little fuller that might could take our winters um, protected. I I do cover them and um, then also take uh, a container in the heat, but it gets morning sun and afternoon shade. Hmm. Oh, that's not bad. I'm going to say I, w- I would like fall aster in that mm-hmm. case. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's see. What, what, what would you, what I you say, Colleen? I was thinking of that catmint walker's low because it would kind of trail. It's sort of got a mounding trailing habit. That would be neat with the Mexican oregano, I think. Or maybe a um, purple skullcap would be really great, too. Something like that, that sort of shape and size that's like sort of mounding and trailing. There's another okay. There's another one um, called Woolly Stamodia, oh, which is a, it's more of a ground cover, but it would be a cool uh, companion because it would kind of trail trail out. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and those are really, really good trailing ones. What about something that would mix in with because a Mexican oregano stands up yeah. and, but it doesn't fill in so I would have the up high stuff and then I would have the trailing stuff what about the in between stuff mm-hmm. hmm. let me see what about some? I know we can come up with something for you if we yeah. just get a beat to think about it <laughs> have you considered like a I mean, when I'm designing pots, I always think of different kinds. I want different kinds of textures and things going on. So I thought maybe a red yucca, a small. They have the dwarf types that stay a little smaller now. Like there's brake lights and there's the yellow one that are a little smaller, something like that. There's also the pink skullcap, which is a little compact uh, kind of mounding shape that stays low that might be a good one mm-hmm. okay I can, I can definitely look look for that and look at the the winter hardiness of, of that one I do like the pink, pink skull cap and I like the purple they're all the um, same they're all native yeah so they're all durable they're all 
pretty winter hardy. Mm-hmm. Okay. It will go yeah. dormant, but yeah. Well, and I do have some yarrow that I actually put in the ground oh. and have to fight back the Bermuda, but um, in this heat, even though I'd watered it once a week, it's not visible anymore. Is it going to come back from the yes. roof once it cools off? Yes, it's just gone dormant for the summer. That's normal for yarrow. Even in a regular summer, mm-hmm. a lot of times it goes dormant. So that's that's I normal. did not realize that. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Okay. Yeah. All right. And yarrow would thank be beautiful in that case, too. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Denise. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. I love designing pots, you know. So much fun thinking about how things are going to look together and go together. and Yeah, I throw stuff. I think about yarrow as another, as another thing for the pot. Oh, yeah, it's a great choice. Yeah, they're so wonderful. And uh, Mark, I see you. You're on the line. I really appreciate you. We need to go to a break. And um, we'll get you after the break if you don't mind hanging on. Welcome to the Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Here are your hosts, Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. This is the Horticulture Hangover Show. I'm Colleen Dieter with ATX Gardens. Yep, and I'm Leah Cherner with Delta Dawn Gardens. Colleen, do we have a call? Yes, this is Mark and Lockhart. Hi, Mark, you're on the air. Thanks for holding. Good morning. I have an oak tree mm-hmm. that a couple of limbs have lost their bark, and it's black underneath. Ooh. When we bought the house, there was some dead standing oak trees is this a disease that I could do something with, or do you have any idea? Yes, it sounds like a disease. Uh, if it's a black underneath, it sounds a little bit like hypoxalon canker. And I think it's going to be really important for you to get a certified arborist uh, out there to look at those trees. And some of those fungal diseases do have treatments <clears throat> so you can uh, intervene and save those trees, but yeah, that sounds like a really serious situation that you'll you'll definitely want to get someone out to take a look. Okay. I really recommend uh, the International Society of Arboriculture uh, and uh, check them out online to get a list of certified arborists who can come and take a look. Okay. Yeah. Uh, other question. We wanted to put in uh, seed some grass, and I was thinking coastal Bermuda. Mm-hmm. Would that be like middle end of September? When would be the ideal time to start that? Um, yeah, September would work. Uh, the very, very best time would be uh, April. Uh, March okay. and April is a better time, uh, but getting into September, you could do it early September if you see rain in the forecast, and that'll okay. give it a chance to get established before it gets cold. Yeah, and you may you All may right. end up having to do it twice, do a little bit in the fall, and then do do some more seeds again in the spring. Okay. Okay, Mark. Sounds good. All right. Good Have luck. A good day. Thank okay, you. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. Yeah. 
So now we've got a text, right? Oh, yes. There is a text that came in from Ella. Sorry, I'm trying to scroll up. Okay. So it says, a friend gave me a staghorn fern cutting, and it had these branches that were a foot long. I know nothing about this plant, uh, except uh, she had a sister that had one growing on a tree in Florida. And uh, she said, I planted the cutting in a pot of potting soil. One year later, it's gotten huge. I love it, but should I trim it or let it grow? I had to tilt it on, tilt the pot on its side because its branches that grow straight up break off. Mm. So, Ella, you sent a picture, and this is not actually a staghorn fern. This is a night-blooming cereus. That's C-E-R-E-U-S. C, I think, mm. cereus. I'm serious. Yeah. Uh, and it is fine to trim that plant. Yeah. Uh, you can just break those those cuttings off, and they will happily root in another pot. You can give them away. Um, they make great gifts. Um, one thing that I want to say about this plant, um, like you said, it's growing. You, if, uh, your sister has it growing on a tree. It is an epiphyte. Um, so that means it's, it is a plant that will will grow um, on other plants, um, even without a bunch of soil in the tropical condition. But it'll do fine in a pot of potting soil at your house. Um, and so I would trim off some of those uh, those lanky cuttings um, or those lanky stems um, and give them away or pot them up. Um, the thing with these plants is that they take a really long time once they've rooted to actually bloom. I don't know why that is, but usually, I mean, I've had one that I had in a pot for probably two years and it suddenly just started blooming. Uh-huh. Um, so keep that in mind um, when you're uh, when you're repotting them and stuff like that. They kind of like to stay in their pot. They don't like to move very much. And um, the ones that come from new cuttings will take several seasons to start blooming. I thought we had a call, but he left. Oh. Okay. Sorry to interrupt you. That's a fun plant. It's an easy plant to grow, and I love it. The flowers are amazing. If you look up what they look like, they're so pretty. Huge. picture Ella sent is just lovely of how beautiful this plant looks, and... I've I've never grown one, but I've heard about how incredible the flowers are. I've never seen them. I'll t- I, I'm gonna yeah. yeah, they're so pretty. Um, yeah. Do they really bloom at night? Yes. Oh wow. Yeah, you have to get out there and see them, and they they really put on a bloom like once, maybe a couple days, and then they're gone. Like you oh, gotta yeah. really keep an eye on them. Um, I have mine outside. I keep mine outside in the shade, and it does really well. Mm. Loves it. Okay, cool. And I'm glad it's not a staghorn fern because mm. it's staghorn ferns are so hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got one, and it really stresses me out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what stresses you out about it? Well, sorry, uh, sorry, Amanda, if you're hearing this, <laughs> Amanda gave me the staghorn fern. <laughs> I just worry. I just worry that I'm going to kill it because it's like you have to keep it moist and it has to have a certain amount of sun, but it can't have too much. And you know, it's just it just needs it needs special babying. Yeah. And I don't tend to like baby my houseplants. I see. Um, but I, I do. I, I worry about it. You know. Oh. 
Well, how's it doing though? It's okay. It's all right. Yeah. It had some rough times during the renovations when I kind of left it outside oh. for a month and forgot about it, but it's fine now. Okay. You just dunk it in, you just dunk, the, dunk it in water every it, a couple of days. Okay. It is one of those plants. The staghorn ferns are one of those plants that's like a hobby oh, of yeah. its own. Like you can have just a staghorn fern and that is your one plant to take care of. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> like that's how be successful yeah. that way. My dentist had one. And we used to talk about it. I'd go in Aww. for my checkup and he'd tell me, he'd give me his update on the staghorn fern, you know, that's like, and they get so, they can get so massive and you got to divide them and, you know, make sure that they're safe, you know. Yeah. They're neat plants. Yeah. They're though. so pretty. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I love that picture that Ella sent of the night blooming Sirius. Yeah. Just trim it up really and you can cool. put the pot upright again and get your space back but it's so pretty Mm -hmm. love that yeah um there's another text from earlier that we got from someone who has a banana plant my banana plants are suffering and not growing i've been told they need a lot of water but they don't need a lot of water do i fertilize them i think the heat is a big factor thanks and um yeah the heat is a big factor they really need shade uh, most of the day, at least in the afternoon. So morning, a little bit of morning sun with afternoon shade is the best thing for bananas. And the heat right now, I think, is going to cause them to get crispy uh, under, even if you're watering them and fertilizing them and giving them shade, they're probably still going to be crispy with how hot it is right now because they just cannot keep up with this extreme heat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might even, if I had a banana in a pot, I would want to bring it indoors maybe. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah, if it's in a pot, uh, that's a great idea, Leah. Yeah, even bring it inside to give it some relief. Uh, mm-hmm. And we got another text, but let's, I guess We're we should go to a break. up on a break pretty soon. Let's just go so, to a break. All right. Well, I'm Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. Yep. And I'm Leah with Delta Dawn Gardens. And we'll see you after the break. Okay. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. <laughs> Good morning. Hi. Some advice, some advice from Dr. Ian Malcolm from... Jurassic mm-hmm. Park, which we just found on the soundboard, which is one of my favorite I things need. to say when it comes to plants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Life finds a way. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, y'all. Um, this is the Horticulture Hangover Show. I'm Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. Yep. And I'm Leah with Delta Dawn Gardens. We do have another text. Okay. About a mountain laurel. Yeah. Um... That, yes. Uh, sent a picture of a little baby mountain laurel. Yeah. And um, they said, this is a Mount, Texas mountain laurel. Uh, my daughter gave it to me a couple years ago. I left it in a pot uh, for at first, and then I set it out. And it's only 15 inches tall now. I was expecting it to grow faster. Mm. I've kept it water. Sh- should I fertilize it? Mm-hmm. No. Mountain laurels are very slow growers. Yeah. 
notoriously slow growing. Yeah. I'm sorry that your expectation was that it would grow faster, but they are like maybe the slowest growing trees <laughs> of all. Yeah. And they really resent being transplanted. Like when you first take them out of the pot and plant them in the ground, they really go through a long period of adjustment where they really won't grow at all for years. So it's not unusual. And I'm, uh, we got to change your expectations. Yeah. And you don't need mm -hmm. to fertilize it. It's going to be fine. They are yeah. tough, tough trees. Yeah. You know, part of the reason that they are slow growing is because they're putting all their resources in some, you know, some really, really sturdy stems and yeah. uh, leaves that are kind of specially created to not let too much water evaporate. They've all yeah. got all kinds of evolutionary tricks up their sleeve, but it takes them a while to grow those things. And uh, once they get established, they are super, super, super drought tolerant. Yeah. Um, though they have suffered some cold damage uh, in the past few years, unfortunately, when we've had those big, big freezes. Yeah, they can. But they usually come back from the roots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have a caller. Uh, this is Robert in Northeast Austin. Hi, Robert. You're on the air. Hello. Yes, I've got a big heritage oak. It's a uh, escarpment oak, probably 20 feet around, uh, right between my neighbor's house and myself. And the large uh, surface roots are all over the place and into my neighbor's yard, but uh, that's okay. Okay. I'm just wondering if you had any ideas about uh, planting in and around the surface roots. I know not to cover them or bury them but it slopes somewhat to the street. It's fairly close to the street. Okay. And I'd like the idea of maybe just gravel, but obviously it would migrate down to the street. So should I just leave it alone or whatever happens, happens? Or? Yeah, the best thing to do is to leave it alone if you can. Um, okay, and just let whatever grow there. I mean, there's, there's this indiscriminate little, maybe some monkey grass growing there, some of those... Uh, Ground cover that has little yellow flowers that I consider weeds, but others. Or syrup. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would probably be okay to put some mulch on it as long as you're not piling mulch up onto the trunk. Mm -hmm. yeah. That would probably be a really good way um, to protect those roots. Yeah. Just a hardwood mulch. If, you know, not a, not a really thick layer, but what do you think, Colleen? Like yeah. an inch too? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, that wouldn't hurt. Um, you don't have to. Yeah, in between the roots. Yeah, you can, okay. if there's any bare soil, you can cover that yeah, with mulch. Some, should I add more soil? No. No. Okay. No. No. The, obviously, it's been okay for 50 some odd years. And I thought it should yeah. Be, so. Yes. Yeah. So, really, mulching is one of the best things you can do to nurture an oak tree. And you can leave the leaves, as leave as many leaves on the ground as you can. When it uh, drops okay. its leaves in the spring, yeah, when they drop their leaves in the spring, you can leave the leaves for it, and that will help with the nutrient cycling uh, so that the tree has something to eat. Yeah, and if you don't okay. like the look of the leaves, just cover them up with mulch. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Robert. Thank you so much for your call, yeah. Robert, and um, good luck with your beautiful tree. Okay. Okay. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah, those trees, they fear change. You know, they really, if you can, if you can leave the tree alone, it's going to be better for it. Colleen, mm -hmm. what do you think about planting um, sedges if they were 
little little four inch sedges or something. Um, if there's small pots that you're not going to make a huge impact on the root zone close to the trunk. Yeah, between I, those roots, I think that's fine. You know, and the further away you get from the trunk, the bigger the bigger the hole you can dig. Just in terms of like logistically being able to dig a hole, and you know, the in terms of the impact on the tree, too. Does that make sense? You know, and so yeah, there's you can definitely, you know, plant under a tree like that, but. Staying further away from the trunk is better for the tree and better for you. Trying to dig a hole right up by the trunk is really, really hard. Um, so, but sea oats will the, grow under live oaks, and yes, those will be easy to plant from seed. That's a great idea if you want a mass planting of inland sea oats. You don't have to dig any holes at all. Yes. Yeah. You know, the arborist part of me and the arborists say, hey, don't plant anything that's going to impact the. Um, the tree root zone, but uh, you know, the truth is we love gardening and trees take up a ton of space and sometimes you want to plant under them and a little bit's okay. We have a call. Oh my goodness. From Dale in Georgetown and we'll see if we can get Dale in. Hi Dale. We've got to go in two minutes. So what have you got, Dale? Oh, it's uh, Daniel. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, Dale. All, all good. Hey, so I've got a question for you guys real quick about um, uh, a few thryalis. I can't. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that. Thryalis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the yellow flowering bush. Yeah. I've got, I've got. I've got six to eight in my backyard, kind of surrounding my pergola. Within the last month, I had two die, um, and I'd read that there's a possibility that it be, could be because of overwatering, where if you overwater them, you can get root rot really quickly. But they've all, they're all in a little bubblers. They're all getting about the same amount of water, but only two of them have croaked. I'm kind of trying to diagnose what may be the issue. And if it is root rot, you know, that's, that sucks, but it is what it is. But maybe just, I just wanted to kind of pick your brain about it. How often are you putting that bubbler on them? Um, every, uh, every other day, I believe, for about 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah, that's that's might be the problem. Yeah, then. it's too much. Mm-hmm. It's too infrequent and too often. It would be better. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, I said that wrong. Too little, too often. It would yeah. be better if you watered them for uh, thirty minutes once a week. Yeah, I'd I'd say even forty minutes. Yeah, forty minutes once a week. Gotcha. Okay. okay. D- Daniel, thank you so much for your call, and we've got to sign off. Thank you very much, you guys. All right. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for all the great calls this week, y'all. Yeah, we got to go. We got to go. We'll see you next week. Adios.